Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. We see it. And perhaps you've seen or heard of Latin being a part of curriculum for students. So probably a few decades ago. Is it still valuable today? Is it still useful? Is it important in your child's education? Why should children learn Latin? Isn't it a dead language? Well, we'll find out today. You're listening to Faith and Family. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for their great support of Faith and Family. Find out more about them on our website, kfuo.org. Look for CUW in the sponsors section. Joining me in studio today, a fun cast of characters, <laughs> familiar voices here on KFUO as well. Pastor Charles Henriksen, pastor of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Bonterre, Missouri, host of Concord Matters here on Worldwide KFUO. Pastor Henriksen, welcome. Salveta de Schipoli. I knew he was going to say Which means like greetings, students. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And Mrs. Cheryl Swope, author of Simply Classical, A Beautiful Education for Any Child, Mother, Home Educator, Regular Guest here on Faith and Family. Cheryl, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Nothing in Latin this Nothing time? Nothing in Latin. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us by phone, the Reverend Joshua Hayes, pastor at University Lutheran Chapel in Boulder, Colorado. Pastor Hayes, welcome to Faith and Family. And thank you for having me. Wonderful to uh, to have you joining us by phone today from beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, University Lutheran Chapel and your work there, and uh, maybe about uh, your family as well. Sure. Uh, University Lutheran Chapel is the uh, one of our LCMSU uh, campus ministries to the University of Colorado, and uh, we are. Uh, uh, supported by the Rocky Mountain District. I've been here um, about a year now, so still getting my feet a little bit wet in campus ministry, um, helping students uh, stay connected to Christ and uh, receiving His Word and sacraments in a in a college time uh, in which they will be tested. Uh, especially uh, the university here in Boulder is uh, pretty uh, far down on the liberal end, so students uh, have a, a refuge here where they can. Uh, be connected to Christ. I have a, a wife and, and three children. Um, my eldest uh, is uh, five years old, and I have uh, one uh, daughter, another daughter that is turning uh, three next month, and our son is seven months old. What a, a an exciting time in life as a family, as a pastor, and and uh, as a father, I'm sure, and a husband. When did Latin become a part of your education or or that of your family? When did it become uh, of interest to you, Pastor? The first time when I was 18, uh, so rather far down the line, my family took a trip to London and England, and we were walking around all these places and cathedrals, and there was Latin splattered everywhere. And I just said, oh my goodness, this, there's this whole world out there that I have no access to. I don't know what any of these things mean. And so I got really curious about it. Uh, then when I got to college shortly after that, um, I was given this thing called the Book of Concord, <laughs> and told to read it, and I just started reading it and devoured it, but I realized, uh, well, A, a lot of this is written in Latin, but B, um, these people, Luther and Melanchthon and all the other reformers, were educated in a way that I have not been, and if I want to understand really what they're talking about and get into their minds, I need to uh, get a classical education and learn Latin, and that's really when uh, I 
dove into the deep end, as it were. Cheryl, when did Latin become a part, uh, or an interest for you and a, and a part of your family? Well, um, he <laughs> thought it was late for him. It was much later for <laughs> me because it was when I was homeschooling my own children, and I I began to hear of the benefits of Latin on. Um, reading and vocabulary, comprehension, even mathematics. And I wanted that for my children. They both have special learning needs, learning disabilities. They're on the autism spectrum. So I wasn't sure if they could learn Latin, but even more, I wasn't sure if I could (laughs) teach Latin. So I became interested through homeschooling and then found that most homeschoolers didn't have Latin growing up because it has been excluded from the curriculum. So thankfully they have written the homeschooling resources for people who are new to Latin. So you're allowed to learn alongside your children, which is what we did. So this became a part of uh, your family and your education for your children out of your passion for educating your children with a, with a, a well-rounded education and an education that would help them excel. Right. An effective education. Mm -hmm. Right. I wanted it effective. I wanted it beautiful. And I wanted it classical, which of course includes the classical languages. And it was uh, incredibly, even measurably effective. What was it about classical education that, that drew you in? Why, why were you interested in a classical education for your children? I wanted the best for them. And I had been reading about, other forms I had been taught through other forms, and um, sure, you were was, an, you're an educator. You were a professional educator. That's at this right. Point. So I had gone through the state teacher training, mm-hmm. and not once was Latin mentioned as anything um, accessible or even desirable. Hmm. So it was just um, kind of discarding all that had been done to me in the '70s educationally, but then also what I what I had been taught to do with children and including letting them spell words any the way that they want and the, all of the, the notions of, of letting their creativity blossom without giving them any tools to, to have facility with language. So this, this um, rediscovery of classical education and Latin reverses all of that and it kind of it's what we're doing is we're we're redeeming two generations of education at the same time because not only are we helping our children then we're also helping ourselves yeah it became less common i think in the last two generations uh, as a part of education i remember in college my greek professor mentioning that if you if you studied latin in high school then this is this is going to be easier for you and unfortunately i was not one of those students that had latin in high school but i had classmates who had and they certainly did excel in in our greek studies pastor henriksen when did uh, latin become a part of your interest in education six uh 60 years ago next month <clears throat> which will tell you how old I am. I was four years old and starting kindergarten at uh, Bethesda Lutheran School in Chicago on the north side. And for kindergarten through eighth grade, every Wednesday we would walk from the school over across the alley to the church and do the order of matins out of TLH, the Lutheran hymnal. And I noticed in the Psalms, as I'm sitting there on the pew, leafing through the Psalms, there was a title above every Psalm. For example, Psalm 1, Beatus Weir, 
or Psalm 130, De Profundis. I didn't know how to pronounce those at the time, but these funny words caught my interest. And then going through my grade school years, you know, in church, you'd see titles above parts of the liturgy, uh, Gloria in Excelsis, or um, Agnus De Sanctus, or Agnus Dei, or Nunc Dimittis. And I was intrigued by these words. I've always been interested in words. And then 50 years ago next month, I was a sophomore in high school and at Luther North High School in Chicago, and it was required that you take a couple of years of foreign language. And they offered German and, I believe, French and uh, Latin, and I took Latin. <clears throat> My teacher was a man by the name of Nathaniel Grunst, and uh, that became my favorite subject in high school. And I had two years of Latin, and I signed up for third year of Latin for my senior year, but there weren't enough kids signed up for it. This is when Latin was starting to decline. Uh, but then I, t I went to Concordia Teachers College in River Forest in 1970, and now it's called Concordia University, Chicago. And I took a year of Latin there under Professor Charles Freilich. And uh, I later had him for Greek there also. So uh, Latin became a great interest of mine. I, I loved the language. It probably taught me more about English vocabulary and English grammar than anything else. It prepared me to study a whole bunch of other languages like Greek and Hebrew and all sorts of languages. Uh, if you know Latin, this is a great basis for learning other languages. We can talk more about that as we go along. So I've had a, a lifelong interest in Latin. And then this past year, um, the school where I have taught a little bit in Greek and my daughter went there, Providence Classical Christian Academy, they had a sudden need for somebody to teach Latin for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade uh, just a couple weeks before the school year started. So they asked me if I would teach Latin. Well, it's like riding a bicycle. I mean, <laughs> after many years. And so I taught um, Latin for children, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade this past year. You mentioned that Latin, when you studied Latin in high school, it became your favorite class. What was it about it that, that made it your favorite class? It was just very interesting. <clears throat> We'd read about Caesar and all these people from Roman history. Um, and the teacher was just very sharp and brilliant. Um, and I was just, I've always been fascinated with language and words. And uh, uh, to see another language um, and to learn how to, how to use it uh, was just a very enjoyable experience for me. You've pointed out, and I think Pastor Hayes pointed out as well, that Latin is all around us. We yeah. sometimes don't recognize it. Where is where is Latin around us? You know, Pastor Hayes, you mentioned that uh, you saw it on signs uh, when you were traveling. And uh, where is Latin all around us today? What are some examples of Latin around us that we might not recognize? Uh, well, Pastor Henderson mentioned the liturgy. Uh, as Christians, The you're always, if, if, if you're opening your hymnal, um, even TLH was great in that it had the, the Latin names for the psalms in there, but even LSB has uh, these words and phrases, Agnus Dei, Nunc Dimittis. Um, a lot of churches in their stained glass windows will have um, Latin, uh, maybe a image of St. John the Baptist saying, Ecce, Agnus Dei, Behold the Lamb of God. 
Um, church is, is one example. Uh, my brother-in-law is a lawyer. Um, there's all kinds. It tends to be terrible Latin and terribly pronounced, but it is Latin. Um, they, you know, things like uh, they say habeas corpus, and, and uh, it's really butchered. But these terms uh, mean things, and they are part of a tradition uh, from which we must not be disconnected. Um, medicine uh, is another example. Um, Latin and Greek gets used to probably name a lot of pharmaceutical drugs in uh, maybe in strange ways, but it is uh, in the, uh, the medical community as well. Botany, um, the, I don't know how, how long you want me to go on, uh, but it is, you know, I mean, even Harry Potter, uh, some of that stuff is Latin. You know, Accio is, you know, I summon my broom or whatever. So Latin is really, it is swimming in the air we breathe, but... Um, it's kind of like if you're not looking for it, um, you might not even notice its smell being all around you, especially if you were uh, raised in kind of a progressive education system that uh, more or less is designed to cut you off from your tradition and not give you a sense of continuity with uh, your forefathers. Uh, definitely in the the sciences i i saw it all through high school and and college as well i took field biology one of my favorite classes down in your stomping grounds at uh, uh, pastor henrickson at uh, mineral area college taking field biology and learning the local flora and fauna uh, uh yeah. of the the ozark region and it was just latin every week yeah, and uh, Pastor Hayes mentioned in the church and in society, in the church, for example, the word concordia, mm-hmm. um, and you can hear con together or the same, and cord, like uh, uh, cordial or cardiac in the Greek, uh, with the hearts together. Mm-hmm. So concordia, we use that for all sorts of things. Uh, concord, harmony is the idea. And in Western civilization... Um, if you read Shakespeare, he'll have Latin all over the place, or just the the any any author from before like 1965 uh, will be throwing Latin phrases in all over the place, and it's the heritage of Western civilization. Latin is the language of the church from about the year 300 to about the year 1965. I say 1965 because the end of Vatican II really marked the decline worldwide of uh, Latin, in my opinion, because they sort of dumped the Latin mass. So there was not as much Latin instruction going on. Why do you think in education there was this this great divorce from Latin, our heritage in Latin? Cheryl? The reading that I've done indicates that it was intentional, that there was an intentional shift about the time of the Industrial Revolution and also with the the rise of progressivism at the turn of the century. There was a, a... a big push to get out of the um, curriculum things like Latin and the humanities and even mathematics and science that were pure mathematics and science. And there was a, a trade to instead become more pragmatic, utilitarian, and really even the question of do we see Latin around us? Um, we have to be careful thinking that if we don't see it around us, that it's not useful to study. Hmm. That's right. Because in itself, it was designed to train the mind to give facility with language and thinking, Mm -hmm. which of course benefits us 
all all the time. But but that shift happened at the university level. There's a, a good book. It's um, 1914. It's called The Value of the Classics. And it kind of delineates that battle that was going on at that time. And the progressives, they won. And they, they took over public education especially. We still had strongholds in our Roman Catholic parochial schools and our Lutheran parochial schools. But as the progressives took over the teacher training colleges, even in our parochial settings, then our parochial teachers became indoctrinated to also discard these things, these traditions, the great tradition, which includes all the literature of all time Mm -hmm. and um, not just not just the the canon of the church, but the canon of Western civilization. Mm-hmm. I, I think in my generation, I I certainly have grown up in this this mindset that uh, in the church, Latin is is primarily associated with the the Roman Catholic tradition. Um, that that Lutherans or Protestants have have no need for Latin. Do did you do you get that sense? That's a popular perception. It's not true. Uh, Even a hundred years ago, there were still Latin lectures being given here at Concordia Seminary. Uh, Luther and and, uh, Melanchthon were classically trained. And if you read the Lutheran Confessions, they're in Latin and German. German was the vernacular. Latin was the language of any educated person, uh, and particularly the language of the church and scholarly debate. Well, and think of the motto of the Reformation that we're getting, that we're celebrating this yeah. year. Which you're, you're donning on your, your yeah, nice shirt I, today. Yeah, I, I wore a special shirt today. It is the motto of the Reformation. It's the motto of Concordia Publishing House, and it's uh, abbreviated VDMA, Verbum Domini Manet in Aeternum. The word of the Lord uh, remains into eternity, or remains forever, or endures forever. And uh, that was the slogan of the Reformation, and it's the slogan of our publishing house. So what about teaching Latin today? If, if it's not strictly a Catholic thing, if it's not, uh, if it applies to so many disciplines in education or so many areas of education, uh, what could that look like today, teaching Latin? Why is it... Um, why do you think it's an important part of education? We'll start with Pastor Hayes, and then we'll work our way around the room here. There are a lot of angles to go with that. <laughs> I, I think parents... I, I think we need to, to teach parents to make a distinction between instruction or, or training to do something, do a job, and education. Mm-hmm. And both are good, and um, but I, I think uh, kind of as uh, we, we talked about a, a bit ago, there was this big push towards pragmatism as well. If it's not useful, we won't yeah. talk about it. Um, in in instruction, see, we tend to just call everything education that happens <clears throat> in a classroom uh, or that's in a textbook. Uh, but really, instruction and training would be, you know, like learning to uh, change the oil in your car. That's training you to do something. Uh, whereas I see education, and, and that's important, but education, on the other hand, is uh, maybe teaching you to be something, teaching you to be a human being. Mm. 
for example, <laughs> to uh, be able to think about things like love, um, whether or not I want to get married, um, whether or not uh, this is real or this argument is good or that, uh, this and that. So Latin gives us access to a whole, uh, a whole tradition yeah. of, of answers. I mean, we're not the first people to come up to have problems and come up with answers to things. And Latin gives us access directly to the best thinking over uh, 2,000 years and, and beyond of this thinking. And so uh, for education, Latin is of immense value. Uh, no, it's not going to help you build a bridge, probably, uh, but it will help you be a good man or woman as you build that bridge because you've had time to think with Cicero about what do you do when uh, what's right and what's expedient conflict with, e- with each other. Um, so helping us to make a distinction between training and education uh, and putting Latin on the education side is uh, one way forward, I think. Cheryl, why Latin today in education? Well, I think some, some will be persuaded by that very excellent argument that we just heard. Others need empirical evidence. Mm-hmm. So there was a study, um, and one of the reasons I want to cite this study is because of the empirical evidence, but the other is to debunk the notion that this is only for the elite. It is not. It has been especially effective with lower level reading students and children in the urban settings and special needs students as well. So in uh, Massachusetts, there was a study of a group of low level reading students who participated in a Latin school program. They were in seventh grade. They showed an increase in reading comprehension well above expectations. It was a 19 month increase in a single school year. Hmm. There was another study in Pennsylvania where researchers found that the study of Latin increased scores for students in all areas, including word knowledge, reading, language, math computation, math concepts, and math problem solving. In other words, it might even help you build that bridge. A 19-month increase in one school year. So that's basically a double. I mean, a school year is about 10 months, right? Right. So, so almost a double increase, improvement in their their skill level. Exactly. There was another one that um, it was with inner city children in New York, Los Angeles, Washington, and Philadelphia. And Latin helped those children achieve great improvement in English communication skills. And I saw this in my own daughter, which is really how I became passionate about it. When, when my daughter was three, she was tested through Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital here locally. When you have children with special needs, they have to be tested annually. So she was tested at three. They came to us as babies. And she tested in the lowest sixth percentile on vocabulary, receptive vocabulary, meaning the vocabulary she understood, the lowest sixth percentile Hmm. at age three. We embarked on the study of Latin because it's especially helpful at the elementary level. By the time she entered fifth grade, she tested at a standard score of 130 which placed her not at average of 100, but it placed her in the gifted range of vocabulary on that same measure. I had never seen anything like that in my diagnostic clinics or in my practicum experience or in special schools. 
And I, I truly believe that the impact was having a Latin-centered curriculum. We need to take a quick break. When we come back from that break, we'll hear Pastor Henriksen's perspective on why learning Latin today is important. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee, with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Ashley Schaus is very close to her younger sister, Hannah, who has Down syndrome. From day one, Ashley told her boyfriend, Will Seaton, she and Hannah are a package deal. Ashley has always made sure Hannah was included in activities. She will also be Hannah's guardian when the time comes her parents are unable to care for her. So... When Will decided to propose marriage to Ashley, he first got down on one knee before Hannah, offered her a ring and asked her to be his best friend forever. After she said yes, Will turned his attention to Ashley, offering her a ring and asking her to be his wife. She was quick to say yes. I'm guessing when Ashley and Will get married, Hannah will be in the wedding party grinning from ear to ear. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org. And stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. Want to be actively engaged in meaningful service and put your time and talents into action? Volunteer Connection engages, equips, and empowers individuals to serve the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and its national and international ministries at the International Center. Come join us as together we make known the love of Christ. To learn more about Volunteer Connection, please call 314-996-1629. Think fast. In the short time it takes to listen to this message, a small flame can turn into a big fire. Several minutes more and thick, poisonous smoke may have filled your lungs and reduced your ability to respond. Give it five and your entire home may be filled with flames. Keep breathing. We've got you. Don't let your world go up in smoke. Have working smoke alarms and always stay in the kitchen when cooking at high temperatures. Learn more at usfa.fema.gov because fire is everyone's fight. Our Give Now button at kfuo.org is available 24 hours a day. Also, you can send email to gifts at kfuo.org and ask for information about our various giving opportunities. 
To call and talk to someone today, contact Mary at 314-996-1518 or Mark Hawkinson at 314-996-1520. Support the mission of Worldwide KFUO and help us reach the world with the gospel. Why is Latin an important part of your child's education or even your own education today? We're talking with the Reverend Charles Henriksen, pastor of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Bonterre, Missouri. Mrs. Cheryl Swope, author of Simply Classical, A Beautiful Education for Any Child. And Pastor Joshua Hayes, University Lutheran Chapel in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, pastor Henriksen, why is Latin important in education today? Let me give you a couple of reasons. One about I would say that Latin was the best thing I ever took for English. <laughs> uh, it exponentially exploded and increased my knowledge of English vocabulary. We have English, and particularly in literature and educated writing, uh, Latin is all over the place. Uh, average Americans cannot speak a paragraph without using a Latin-based word. It comes across, you don't even know it. Um, so for vocabulary, there's nothing better. And for grammar, understanding grammar, a lot of native English speakers don't understand grammar. Because we grow up in it, we don't recognize how grammar works, grammar and syntax. Uh, that would be the forms of words and their function in a sentence. The fancy terms for those are morphology and syntax. That's Those are the Greek terms, mm -hmm. uh, form and function are Latin terms. So uh, Latin you, uh, has different forms, more than English. It is an inflected language. Uh, English depends heavily on word order. In Latin, word order isn't necessarily the thing. You look at the endings uh, for a noun or an adjective, the case, number, gender. For a verb, you parse the verb and you learn its uh, person, number, uh, tense, voice, etc. So you you understand the the workings of language, uh, particularly because Latin is a, a foreign language, and you have to learn the the forms of it and how words function in a sentence, not based on your intuitive uh, feel for the language, but by analyzing the forms. So for English vocabulary and grammar, there's nothing better. It prepared me excellently to excel in Greek. When I took Greek or any other language, I already had the basis of how to learn a language. So it's excellent for that. If you then go from Latin, let's say, to French or Spanish or Italian, um, uh, these are what we call the Romance languages. They are the direct descendants of Latin, so it becomes that much easier. Um, I would say also, for me, Latin and what that meant for me of opening up history and theology and literature and the whole Western civilization, it, it it gave me, I think, a more interesting mind. I enjoy living with myself better <laughs> because I'm not a, I don't have a boring mind. Uh, uh, you gain so much knowledge. It may not make you $100,000, but uh, it, it, it just... Uh, makes you a more interesting person, I think. In speaking uh, of 
understanding languages, particularly biblical languages. I, I wish I would have had that Latin foundation when studying biblical languages. But as a having a a, a, a modest Greek education, uh, we had the same Greek professor. Yeah, let, uh, let me tell you a word about that. We <laughs> found out during the break the professor uh, that. Uh, that Pastor Hayes and myself, Pastor Henriksen, and Deaconess Andy Bates, we all went to River Forest. <laughs> I'm not a deaconess. A de- deacon. What <laughs> I say, deaconess. <laughs> we, you know, th- we are so used to saying deaconess in our church, we don't say deacon anymore. Deacon Andy Bates, you're not trans transdeaconed. Uh, <clears throat> but we all went to Concordia in River Forest, and we had all the same Latin professor, Professor Charles Freilich. A Greek professor, yeah. For uh, uh, Greek and Latin. I had him for both. Um, And uh, I was just up at River Forest, what, last week for the Institute on Worship and Liturgy. And I made the pilgrimage in Kretzmann Hall and just to go by his office and go by the classroom where I learned Latin and Greek. And uh, I discovered he's still alive. He must be in his late 80s now. I think he's living in Texas. At least. At least. I, and when I say modest Greek education, not due to any lack of uh, anything on Professor Freilich's part, he 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 brought a wealth of of knowledge and experience to that class. It was my uh, my investment in that class, yeah. perhaps, uh, that I say a, a modest uh, Greek education. And bringing that into the parish as a director of Christian education, teaching youth in in Bible class, quite often I would do what I call the etymology game, and when I yeah. would bring in the etymology game into our our study, the youth would just groan. But I thought it was important to understand the language yeah. because we so often rely on translations, English translations of the Bible and sometimes paraphrases as well. And I, I thought it was often important to understand the language and the root of the the, the meaning of the terms yeah. that we're talking about in Bible class. And this is as a, as a DCE. I know pastors have uh, even more training in the languages and it's why is that you know can, can you expound on that a little bit more pastor henriksen why understanding languages whether it's latin or greek or hebrew is so valuable as uh, as a as a christian uh, you know as a pastor or even as a as a layperson why understanding these languages is important i think whatever field you go into whether engineering or theology if you can use the language you are, this is what we call grammar, logic, and rhetoric. Uh, that you learn the tools of language, <clears throat> you learn how to think and analyze, and then you learn how to creatively use language. It makes you more effective. Um, I know of somebody in engineering, and a lot of engineering students, I mean, they're, they're wonderfully uh, helpful to our society, uh, people in engineering, but a lot of them aren't that, qualified in in language, but when you get somebody who understands mechanical engineering and who also can communicate, uh, that's going to propel you forward in your field Mm -hmm. and make you persuasive. Any field of, of, uh, of life, if you can persuade people, and that involves language and rhetoric in the positive sense, uh, you're going to be more effective. Pastor Hayes, when you embarked on studying Latin, were there challenges that you faced in, in, in starting this as, uh, I think you said you were 18 when you first started studying Latin? Were there, were there hurdles or challenges that you faced? Um, well, I had to, I had to actually uh, um, go find a class because I wanted to 
do start doing it in the summer. And I, the first thing I did was just go out and get a textbook and start doing it myself. And that's you can do it, um, but it takes a lot of personal discipline when the going gets tough to persevere. And when you're in a class. Um, or helping your homeschooler through a curriculum, you have a little bit more external discipline to, to force you to do it. So sometimes just knowing where to start is the hardest thing. I think um, Cheryl wanted to talk about, about that a little bit, but just knowing where to start, where to get help. Um, if you're looking for a class, it may be hard to find one. Um, if you're wanting to start with your homeschooler you and you don't know anything about Latin, you don't even know where to start or what's a good resource, what are bad resources. And at that, I think that is the, one of the biggest hurdles is just knowing how to get started. How did your experience shape your choices for education for your children? Well, for me, uh, not only do I, I think Latin, is, that every child should have the opportunity to study Latin, um, not that I think that they're all going to go on to get master's degrees in Latin or, or something like that, but they all should have an opportunity. And I I fell in love with Latin just uh, as a language in itself and the and the literature, and, and I, I, I wanted my, my children uh, to have this as well. And um, I, I, you know, I'm kind of a, in a unique situation. I, I know Latin very well. I can speak it with my children. Uh, most homeschool parents are not going to be there yet, and... Um, so for, for me, getting started with my kids is a, probably a little bit different than um, someone who just uh, has no background but is willing to get started. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that answered your question or not. Do you, How does Latin serve you in your ministry to college students? Oh, sure. Well, some of my students are actually uh, classics majors, so they're studying Latin and Greek, and, and I've had them. Um, others, I simply, uh, and, and since I'm a Bible teacher, I'm a pastor, it's often with Greek, too. I, I'm simply just opening up to them. Um, I am, uh, for lack of a better word, their access to the Greek and Hebrew of the Bible and can kind of unpack that, open it up for them, uh, show them why their translations vary. Uh, in terms of Latin, I use it every day. I really do. I read the. There have been uh, 2,000 years of Bible commentaries written in Latin. I use them. I read Luther, Melanchthon, all the rest in Latin, um, because translations are fine, but not everything's translated. Uh, but when you're, I had uh, Dr. Velt at the Concordia Seminary says this about Greek. He says, when you're reading the New Testament in English, it's like watching a baseball game in black and white on TV. Um, everything you need to know is there. You're not missing anything uh, that you need to know for your salvation. You know what the score is in the baseball game and who's pitching. When you're reading, when you're reading Greek, the original, you're at the game. It's live. You're in the mind of the author. You're in Luther's classroom. You are in the Senate as Cicero speaks, and there's just no substitute uh, for it. So I I use Latin every day in the parish. Cheryl, how 
did you go about starting Latin? How how did you start, and how would you recommend parents start uh, introducing Latin, whether they're choosing a school that offers Latin or as home educators? How, how do you go about starting Latin if you don't have Latin in your education background? Well, if you're choosing a school that offers Latin... Kudos. You, yes. <laughs> then that's easy. If you're, um, if you're homeschooling, you can do just what I did, which was to go to memoriapress.com. At the time, I think it was through, just through the catalog. But um, Memoria Press is the publisher that we used and loved. And we started with Latina Christiana. So it's an ecclesiastical Latin program. We learned the Lord's Prayer, the Gloria Patri. We learned all of those in Latin. And it's a grammar-based approach as opposed to a translation-based mm. approach, which is preferable for the elementary years especially. Mm -hmm. So we, um, we started with that. There now is a level even lower than that. And I brought for show and tell the um, <laughs> Prima Latina, which is an introduction to Christian Latin. And that is where we start now with our, we have a curriculum for children with special needs. It's called the Simply Classical Curriculum. And we are starting with Prima Latina. It goes over what is a noun, what is a verb in English, as Pastor Henriksen said. It, it allows you to study the English language as if through a pair of new glasses that you, you don't, you don't see your language if you're not um, looking at it mm -hmm. from a different perspective. But then also it teaches you basic vocabulary and it's very easy to teach. They have flashcards that go with it. They have a CD. We would listen to the CD in the car when we were traveling so that I could be sure my pronunciation <laughs> was correct and also that I could review along with them. And now they even have a DVD so that if you don't feel comfortable teaching yourself, you can watch the, the teacher teach it and then teach the lesson. Now we use the DVD for review. So I would teach it because I wanted to learn too. Mm -hmm. And, and actually too, I would say to any homeschooler who is afraid to teach, if you are enthusiastic and eager to learn, that will propel your students too. And that's how it was. It was our favorite class it, because we just all loved it. It was new for all of us. But after I would teach the lesson with them, then I would have them watch the DVD for review. At what age did you start uh, your children with, uh, with Latin? Uh, Latin? They say Latin is the next step after phonics. So if you can, if your child can read, say, boxcar children about second grade, then you can start there with the Prima Latina. We did not have this as an option. So when mine were that little, we started with a game called Rummy Roots. And it's kind of like your etymology game, but for little children, it was just little cards and they had um, Greek roots and Latin roots. And it's, it develops that, that word awareness that um, has been studied and shown to be improved by Latin. So we started there with the Rummy Roots and then we, um, we just played that a lot. Things like Aqua and, um, well, just, just lots of different, different words 
to improve vocabulary. But then we started formal Latin a little bit later. Did you find that your children were identifying Latin in things in, in the world around them as oh, yes. signs? Mommy, that's Latin. Yes. And not only that, but um, things like dona nobis pacem, grant us peace. You look at that first word dona, which means to grant or give. And we would realize, okay, donation, mm -hmm. donor, all of these things. It, it was that word awareness. It just enriched. Mm -hmm. it, it enriched our lives. Still does to this day. Pastor Henriksen teaching children Latin. You you were teaching what fourth, fifth, and sixth? Yeah, I, I, this past year I filled in and taught uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade Latin at Providence Classical Christian Academy here in South County, St. Louis. That's when they start Latin at that school, uh, fourth grade, and they have it in the in the grammar school, but then in the upper school, seventh, eighth, ninth. So they're they're learning the 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 paradigms, the OST, mustus unt, whatever, in and doing some reading in the grammar school, and then they're prepared to read Cicero and Caesar when they get to the upper school. The curriculum they use there is uh, called classical academic press, I believe. Classical Academic Press. And again, with these curriculums, whether Memoria Press or Classical Academic Press, uh, there's books, textbooks, workbooks, uh, CDs to hear it pronounced, etc. Um, let me give a couple of other resources, and maybe Pastor Hayes has some as well. Um, I teach a theology course for an online school, particularly for Lutheran homeschoolers. The school is called Wittenberg Academy. Wittenberg with an E, Wittenberg Academy. You can search it online. And they offer, I teach a theology course, but they also have Latin at various levels. I believe Heath Curtis mm -hmm. has taught that uh, on online. Um, so there's one resource for, and it, whether you're homeschooling or just do the Latin as a supplement to your brick and mortar school, I think you can work that out. So that's Wittenberg Academy. And then uh, Cheryl is on the board for the consortium for Classical Lutheran Education, and uh, CCLE, and you can find them on the internet as well, uh, and they offer Latin for adults. I teach New Testament Greek for adults online through CCLE, and uh, there's also a Facebook group called Friends of the Consortium for Classical Lutheran Education. I was just out at their annual conference. Uh, this one was in Wyoming earlier, the, uh, well, actually last month now, mm -hmm. um, and um, so, so they teach Latin and Greek and offer resources. You can find many resources and get in on discussion about, well, what resource would work for my situation here? And you can uh, contact them and they'll be very helpful. Now, uh, Cheryl and, and Pastor Henriksen, your children have, have grown up now and study Latin as My students. daughter is taking... She wants to be a teacher of classical languages and literature. She's taking up like a big load of Latin at University of Missouri-St. Louis this fall. She's 21 years old. She wants to get a Ph.D. in classical languages at Washington University. So uh, it took. <laughs> I, I think it's a good time, though, to point out the, dif the distinction between a classical scholar and a classical education. Yeah. The classical scholar status is going to be for a, a rare few. A rare few. Mm -hmm. But a classical education, as that subtitle says, it's a beautiful education for any child. And the, the training of the mind 
is essential no matter what the child does. Mine, mine are twins, and they are now 22. My daughter, as you know, writes poetry. And I, I believe that the influence of Latin yeah. has, um, has really influenced her mind and given her a solace in words. I do want to mention one more resource real quick, mm -hmm. and that's there's a new book from Memoria Press. It's called A Defense of Latin and Classical Education. A Defense of Latin and Classical Education, Saving Western Civilization One Student at a Time. Oh. It's a collection of articles that if you need to persuade someone or be persuaded yourself, they're highly accessible. They are not for those classical scholars. They're for the rest <laughs> of us. And, um, and I would recommend looking for that. So I wonder if Pastor Hayes has any resources that he would recommend. Yeah, so my family, we don't live uh, near within range of a of a classical Lutheran school, and so uh, at least for now, at least, and, and uh, we're happy with it so far. We are enrolled in classical conversations, and this is something parents could also consider if they're they don't have a school that teaches Latin. Classical conversations is a, a homeschooling uh, program. And it's a it's a national thing, but uh, you have local chapters, so you, it's homeschooling. But once a week, um, you all get together, and students have uh, classroom time with tutors, which are uh, parents, and you get together, and that's a, a big help because then if you're stuck with something in Latin, uh, you can talk to other parents. You have a classroom that they can go to, and oh. Yeah, we got stuck on that too. Here's what we mm -hmm. did. Uh, classical conversations will kind of uh, the, the I suppose the the downside of it is is um, everything is sort of picked out for you. Now you can still do whatever you want, but they've sort of picked out what Latin textbook you're going to use. Um, if you want to use a different one, you still can. Uh, but the nice thing is it's all picked out for you. So you don't have to spend hours on the Internet trying to figure out, well, what am I going to use? So Classical Conversations is another uh, option for homeschooling. Um, once, one big challenge to learning Latin is it is a big jump to go from uh, two, three, four years of Latin study to reading Cicero. I mean, that's like studying English as a foreign language for three or four years and then reading Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. You could do it. You absolutely can do it. But it, it's a big jump, and it's hard, and some students might be frustrated. Uh, so once you've gotten a few years in, you've got the grammar down, you understand how things work, um, there are more and more books being published now that are <clears throat> easy readers. Um, for example... I use one with my five-year-old who doesn't even know all the grammar yet uh, called Brando Brown Con M. Wolt, which is uh, Brandon Brown wants a dog. And it's a children's story in easy Latin, limited vocabulary. And uh, we really enjoy uh, reading this. And I don't have to wait 10 years for them to be able to uh, read uh, Cicero before I can crack open actual Latin and have fun with it. So once you've gone, gotten some Latin under your belt, seek out fun, easy things that will just build their uh, mental facility in the language and show them that it's not just um, like a secret code, but 
it's just a human language and you have a human brain and uh, you can use it and have yeah. fun with it and understand it. What would you, we have just about two minutes left, uh, Cheryl and Pastor Henriksen, what would you say are the um, one or two of the chief benefits from your children studying Latin that Pastor Hayes and other families like his have to look forward to? Cheryl? <laughs> I, I know there are tons of benefits, but just maybe one or two. I think the love of language, the love yeah. of words, it, it's not just the um, the excelling that's measurable by scores, but the um, just the love of of learning. And, and that translates to hymn studies and reading the Book of Concord, which my children were then able to do. And... Uh, reading the Holy Scriptures, I, I think that you're just you're opening a whole world of of richness and truth and comfort to your children. A love of language, no matter what that language may be. Yes, Pastor Henriksen. I echo what Cheryl said. The main overarching thing I think is the love of learning. It just opens you up for that and and, and whets your appetite to learn more whether language or history or theology, whatever. It also teaches you a, a discipline of how to, uh, how to learn. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the history, uh, theology, the sciences, we mentioned that earlier as well, studying law. And, Literature. Yeah, all of those things. Well, thank you all for being my guest today and uh, for the helpful resources you've pointed us to as well. Uh, we'll try to include some of those uh, those links as well with our, our archive of today's program. Pastor Charles Henriksen, pastor of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Bonterre, Missouri, pastor and host of Concord Matters here on Worldwide KFUO. Pastor Henriksen, thanks for coming up today. <laughs> this is Cheryl Swope, author of Simply Classical, A Beautiful Education for Any Child. Thanks so much for coming over and uh, sharing your experience with us today on Latin as well. Thank you. The Reverend Joshua Hayes, pastor at University Lutheran Chapel in Boulder, Colorado. Pastor Hayes, thanks for joining us, sharing your family's experience with us and being our guest today. You're welcome. The Lord bless and keep your listeners. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word, right here on The Messenger of Good News, Worldwide KFUO. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.